0: Hi, welcome to Pursue Wisdom, the teaching podcast of Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. I'm Paul Steele, I'm the pastor here at Bethlehem Church, and we wanna provide this podcast as a resource for your discipleship. See, we believe that God has given us the task of making disciples. That's, that's what we're, we're called to do. And that means we wanna do whatever we can to help people mature in their belief in Jesus, to uh, to come to a belief in Jesus, and we want to offer the teachings that happen here at Bethlehem to you, to help you in your spiritual formation in Jesus Christ. So what you're about to hear is my message from this past Sunday morning. So, uh, usually, we would just take that recording from Sunday morning and play it for you but this week for whatever reason we had some technical difficulties and that message uh towards the end just cuts off and the ending part isn't there so i'm going to redo that message here for you because i think it's a it's a good one i think it's an important one for us to hear and so i hope that you enjoy it i hope that you're challenged by it um and so without further ado, let's get into the message. We've been going through this book called The Story. The Story is an abridged version of the Bible. It's, it's published by Zondervan Press, and it's designed to help people understand what the Bible is about, what, you know, the full scope of the story of the Bible, what it tells us about God, his, his character, his purposes, his ways. And what it tells us about ourselves and how we fit into what God is doing and to his kingdom. So this past week, we looked at chapter 30. So there's 31 chapters in, in the story. We're almost done. This past week, we looked at chapter 30, which dealt, which was entitled Paul's Final Days. And so this, our sermon text is found in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 verses 17 through 27. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 27. Have you ever received a call on your life? You feel like God has placed a call on your life. Now, for pastors, one of the the typical questions as you go through interview processes and like the ordination process, you will be asked, so tell me about your call to ministry. And some people have these dramatic calls where they just knew that God was calling them to do this. My call was not like that. See, being a pastor, being a teacher of scripture was just something that I always wanted to do. When I was younger, you know, I was really into G.I. Joe. And on Sunday mornings, I would make sure that they went to church. My parents wouldn't let me bring my toys to church, but I would put them into rows. I'd have one of them stand up and and preach. Yeah, I saw this as an important thing. And fifth grade, our big English uh, project was to write an autobiography. And around that time, I had read this book called Real Centurions, which was an autobiography of a of a pastor slash police officer from Minneapolis. And yeah, that captured my attention. And so in this last chapter of my autobiography, where we are to talk about where we hope to be when we grew up, that's what I said I wanted to do. I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a cop. Yes, I wanted to help people. I wanted to serve people. And as I continue to, to get older and and uh, there, was, there were just numerous times where people spoke into my life and said, Paul, this is what you should be doing. You should, you should go into the ministry. You should do this. And, and that, that's, that's how I received my call. It was just a confirmation of, of a desire that I had in my heart. Now, what we see when we look at Scripture is that we see that God oftentimes quite regularly, in fact, calls people to do specific tasks or to be certain people. Way back in Genesis, God gives Adam and Eve, he calls them to be his image bearers in this world. He creates them in his image to demonstrate his character. We see this uh, a few chapters later with Abraham. He calls Abraham out. He sets him apart and says, hey, you are going to be a father. You're going to be a father of many nations, and I'm going to work through you. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the world. We see this with Moses, right? He he calls Moses and says, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to deliver my people out of Egypt. I want you to deliver them out of slavery. And just an interesting side note is that this is the very first time that the Bible says that God gets angry. He gets angry with Moses because Moses won't accept God's call on his life. He has all these other excuses why he isn't the man for the job. And God works with Moses. In spite of his anger, God works with Moses and he arrives at this this, uh, compromise. He says, okay, then I will give you your brother Aaron to go along with you, to speak for you. And what we see is that Moses grows into this calling of deliverer, of leader of Israel. It doesn't just happen all at once. He grows into that calling, into that responsibility. We see this with the nation of Israel itself. right? God sets Israel apart from the rest of the world. He becomes his, his special people. He establishes a covenant with them for the purpose of being a light among the Gentiles. See, Israel's calling was to show the rest of the world the wonderful grace and, and love that God has for people. What God does for them, and that was their calling. We see this with David. David is called to be king. Now, Israel wanted a king before David, and their first king, Saul, just does not work out. But the king that God has for him, for them, he becomes, David becomes the prototype king. He is, when you think about kings of Israel, you think about David. Because David is a man after God's own heart. And even Jesus has this call on his life to be the Messiah, to be the Savior. That he came into this world for this purpose, to save us. To establish God's kingdom. To die, to be resurrected. To give us hope. You know, that's the calling that God had on his his life. So, as we move on into the book of Acts, where we've been the last couple of weeks, what we notice is that God gave the church a calling, right? He calls them to go into the world and make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Now let's just pause there for a moment because I think this is important to, to think about. Here you have the, the, these disciples, and they've interacted with Jesus. They see Jesus there right in front of them. And yet, some of them doubt. Some of them have don't know what to make all of this of this. Some have questions. And I think this is important for us to remember. We don't always need to know everything. We don't need to be full of certainty. We, we don't need to know exactly, hey, how does the Trinity thing work, right? We don't need to know exactly how, Uh, how the atonement works. We don't have to know all the ins and outs of that. We don't have to know exactly how the incarnation of Jesus being 100% man, 100% God, how all that works out. We don't have to have all the answers, but we do need to have faith. We have to have faith enough to worship God, faith enough to trust God to take that next step. So then Jesus goes on, in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, this is the call I am placing on you, that as you go into this world, as you move about in this world, Make disciples, not just of Jews, of all nations, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, bringing them to a point of conversion where they're placing their trust in God, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the teachings of Jesus, the commands of Jesus. That is your calling. And it seems like it's a pretty straightforward forward calling to us, Right, But in the early church, it's something that they have to navigate. Because they're coming out of a Jewish culture. They're coming out of a culture where they, where they follow the, the Old Testament law. And from that, they start to follow Jesus. But as the gospel goes into the world... Right? They have to make this, this decision. Well, how much does a Gentile have to follow the Old Testament law in order to be a follower of Jesus? And that's what we talked about last week with the Council of Jerusalem in, in, in Acts chapter 15, where they came to the conclusion that, hey, these Gentiles, what they need is that they need to put their faith in Jesus. They need to abstain from idolatry they need to abstain from sexual immorality. There's a certain moral there that they have to live, but we shouldn't burden them with, with, with all the expectations and all that the law has. Those were beneficial to set Israel apart, but they're not expectations of these Gentiles as they come to follow after Jesus. And the man that's tasked with carrying this gospel into the world is a man by the name of Saul. And when we meet Saul, he is a Pharisee. And he does not like the the Jesus Jesus movement at all. He wants to stamp them out. And he goes to Damascus with the blessing of the with the Sanhedrin to go and arrest Christians, to disrupt their 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 worship, and all of that. Now on the way to Damascus, Saul has this encounter with Jesus. And it forces Saul to make a decision. Is he going to continue on seeing God in his own way? Or is he going to accept this call that Jesus has placed on his life? And so Saul is blind. He's led to Damascus. And there in Damascus is a believer by the name of Ananias. And God calls to Ananias and says, hey, I want you to go to this man named Saul. I want you to heal him. I want you to preach the gospel to him. I want you to baptize him. And Ananias is like, no way, Lord. Don't you know? You've, I think you've got the wrong guy here. This guy is on the other team. He wants to destroy us. He's he's He doesn't have any love for Jesus. And this is what... God tells Ananias in Acts chapter nine, verse 15, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He says, this is the call. This is the task I have given to this man. Yeah, he's going to suffer just like he brought suffering onto a lot of other Christians. He's going to have to suffer for this, but he is the one I have chosen to take the gospel into this world, to the Gentiles, to their kings, to their authorities, and in the process, also to the people of Israel. That was Saul's, who later changed his name to Paul. He went from the Hebrew uh, version of his name to the Greek version, Hebrew name, as he as he seeks to go out into the Gentile world, he, he identifies with them through his name, Paul. And he does these three missionary journeys, uh, establishing churches and making disciples. And at the end of his third missionary journey, Paul knew his life was about to change. He will say that the Holy Spirit has been revealing things to him. So he knows the freedom that he has had here and doing these missionary journeys and taking the gospel to these different cities. That's about to come to an end. His ministry is is going to need to change. And in that, he calls for some of his friends, the elders at the church of Ephesus. Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus, two, three years teaching them, building relationships with them. And so as his ministry begins to change, he calls for them to say goodbye, to explain what is happening. So Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 27. From Malthus Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if I only may finish the race and complete the task to the the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So as we look here and as Paul Gave this kind of felt farewell address to the, the to the elders at Ephesus. We see three reasons for Paul's effectiveness in his mission because Paul was effective. He was effective in in starting churches and and making disciples. And the first reason why Paul was effective was because of his humility, verses seventeen through nineteen. From Miletus Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church when they arrived he said you know he said to them you know how i lived the whole time i was with you from the first day i came into the province of asia i served the lord with great humility with tears although i was severely tested by the plots of the jews so paul says you guys know you firsthand experience of how i was on these missionary journeys. That when I came into your presence, I didn't do it with boastfulness. I didn't do that with waving my authority. Hey, I am an apostle of Jesus. I had this vision of Jesus. Jesus gave me this task. No, I came with humility, with tears in my eyes. I came and I looked for ways to support myself in this mission of of preaching the gospel. I didn't expect you To support me because of who I was, I was humble. I came with humility. We need to be humble. It's hard to be humble. We live in a culture, we live in a world that wants us to look after number one. That we were told that, man, if we're not going to speak up for ourselves, then who will? Like if we're not going to take care of our agenda, nobody else will. If, 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 if you don't have a plan, then you become part of somebody else's plan. And so we better be working our plan. And it's all about us. It's all about us. It's about our desires. It's about our preferences. It's about our agendas. And Paul is saying, no, if you want to be effective in this, you have to approach it with humility, understanding that, hey, other people are just imp- as important, right? Uh, he, Paul would write in Philippians, hey, you need to consider yourself. Oh, uh, you need to consider others better than yourself, taking on the same attitude of Jesus Christ who humbled himself to the point of death. You know, as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it's humility. Humility is the key. We have to take the focus off us and our preferences, what we want to see happen. And we need to remember what is the main thing that is important. What have we been called to do? Put us all that aside so we can focus. It's not about us. Ultimately, it's about God and about his love for the world. So Paul was effective because of his humility, but he is also effective because of his boldness. Verses 20 through 23. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that, the, that prison and hardships are facing me. So here we have Paul and he says, I have not wasted an opportunity to preach, to give to you what is helpful. Like, I want to see you guys succeed. I want you to be faithful in your following of Jesus. Right? That kind of goes back to that humility piece. This isn't about making my name great. I want to see you guys succeed in this. I want you guys to be faithful. I want you guys to experience Jesus the way that I experienced Jesus. He says, I've I've done what I've could. I have not hesitated to preach. When I've been able to, I've preached out in the open. I've preached out publicly where everybody could see. And other times, I've preached in your houses, in these intimate settings. And I've told you face-to-face these things that you really need to know. And even in the face of opposition, I have continued to keep my message on point focused on Jesus, calling people to repentance, calling people to follow after Jesus. And even now, I'm going to continue on preaching Jesus, being faithful to his message, to his mission, even though what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, I'm going to be imprisoned. There's even harsher opposition that awaits me. In this, Paul was bold. We need a courage. We need a boldness. Our culture has shifted. Right? 30, 40, 50 years ago, you can make the assumption that people respected the Bible. That if you said, hey, this is what God's word says, that there would be a good chunk of our society who would put value in that. No more. No more. In this, in this age of council culture, saying one unapproved thing can get you into trouble. And yet we can't let that reality stop us from talking about the truth, the gospel, how there is sin and how people need to repent of their sin and come and put their faith in Jesus. We have to have a boldness that as we reach out to our neighbors, as we reach out to our friends, as we find these opportunities to have spiritual conversations with other people, that we don't hold back about talking about Jesus. That even if we fear that they might reject us, that they might turn away from us, that we stay on point, that we continue to talk about Jesus. Even if there's a little fear here, even if we are concerned about our well-being or how this is going to turn out for us, we continue to talk about the truth that God has given to us. We continue to talk about God's love and his grace and his forgiveness because that's what we've been called to do. So Paul was effective because of his humility, because of his boldness. And Paul was effective because he understood his purpose. Verses 24 through 27. However, I consider my life worth nothing if I only may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, among whom I have gone about preaching, the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Paul says, I can go and face this opposition. I can go face imprisonment because I have no regrets. You know that I have not hesitated to do this. I I don't have anybody's blood on my hands. You know, all these different places I preach the gospel, they've heard the truth. They've heard the truth because of me, and I can go with a clear conscience. There's no regrets that I have. See, my very life means nothing to me if I did not complete this task that Jesus gave to me. See, Paul was crystal clear on his mission. On his purpose and I understand that we may not have received such a clear calling from God but we are part of the church and we know that the call that God has placed on the church is to make disciples so our part in this knowing that that this is the great purpose of the church is to discover how we can use our resources, how we can use our talents to continue on with the mission that Paul had of bringing the good news into this world, of preaching the gospel. Now that doesn't mean that all of us have to stand up on a street corner and and boldly declare God's love. No, often it's going to look radically different. But we need to find our place in this story, in this task, so that we, we too, as we, end the near, as, we end, as we near the end of our life, can say, hey, I have no regrets. Nobody's blood is on my hands. I've done what God has asked me to do. See, because Paul was faithful in his calling, God used him to make a difference in this world. See, God uses faithful people. And when we are faithful, God's going to make a difference in our world. It may not be the the big impact that Paul has because Paul's influence is still felt today as we go through the scriptures. But we will make a difference in our little corner of the universe with the people that we're around. God's going to use us to make a difference here in their lives, in their families, in our relationships. And hopefully, as we bind, as we come together, he will make a difference here in Austin, in this community as well. And that's what we seek to do, that in our faithfulness, we trust that God will use us to make a difference in this world. So our big idea this morning, or today, is this. God's people need to be faithful to the calling we have to make disciples. God's people need to be faithful to the calling we have to make disciples. That's what we need to choose to do. We're going to be faithful in this. Realizing that the task of a Christian isn't just to uh, not sin is isn't just about living a moral life. No, the task of the Christian is to make disciples. That's what we've been called to do, and we need to be faithful in that task. And so our challenge this week is to pray that God will provide humility, courage, and purpose to a Christian friend this week because we're all in the same boat. We all have this big grand task that God has given to us. Our calling might be smaller, a smaller piece of that puzzle, but we've all have this calling to participate in this task of making disciples. And so we want to lift each other up and ask God to give courage, humility, purpose to one another. And if you can't think of somebody to pray for, pray for me. I need humility. I need courage. I need purpose. I need to stay on task of what God has called called me to do. I long to be effective in this calling. Remember, the Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. This task that we have to go make disciples. We're not tasked with making disciples for for us. I'm not tasked with making a disciple for Paul. No, we are tasked with making disciples of Jesus. We want people to follow Jesus, to put their faith in Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And so we preach him and we point people to him. That's what this is all about. Scripture testifies to Jesus, and that should be reflected in how we live. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We ask that you would bless us as we seek to go into this world to make disciples. Father, we love you, and we give you our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope that you were encouraged i hope that to that maybe you had your call uh, renewed uh, as you were reminded of the great task we have to make disciples and if you find this podcast encouraging if you find it uplifting if you find it beneficial in your discipleship and your spiritual formation in jesus my one ask of you is that you would uh give to bethlehem church and you can give by going to our website, Bethlehem Church Austin.com and following the give button. We sure would appreciate it. If there's anything that, that we can do for you, if there's any prayers that you need, uh, let us know, contact us. Uh, you can you can email me at uh, at Paul at Bethlehemchurchaustin.com and love to connect with you, love to, to pray for you if I can. So Have a wonderful rest of the day and God bless.